Today is Wednesday, July 24, 2019, and the message is called Russian Dolls. You'll, you'll, you'll know why. You know, our Father is so majestic. He's unlike every one of us in the flesh. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. He doesn't look at whether you're short or tall. Thank God for that. He doesn't look at... Whether you're hairy or not, thank God for that again. He doesn't look at anything that's outside of you. He looks at the heart. That is, that is to, um, to praise. Because it gives every one of us a chance. Our Father is majestic. Our Father is beautiful. He's wondrous. He's powerful. And His eyes are properly placed on the one who has a heart for him. Let's go to First Chronicles uh, 28.9. It says, And you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge God, the God of your father, and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now, one, one thing that we have to know about him is in the business of searching your heart. Searching it. It doesn't just, it's, it's not just knowing your heart. He searches. He's looking for it. He, he throws you things so that you may react to them. And he looks at how you do it. He looks, you know, with every son of God in the Bible, you'll know that when he allowed something to present, themselves, present itself to them, he was looking at what he would do. He was looking, he was searching his heart. Let's look at Psalm 44, 21. Talk about being naked, right? You, when, you know, he's searching you out and, and all you have to do is really, you know, just be who you are because it's what's in your heart. It's what will come out. And so he's searching you, pruning you. And this, is, and this verse says, If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out, our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it, since He knows the secrets of the heart? See, when your heart is turning cold, when you start to forsake your first love, the first one to notice is your father. He's the first one to, to, to just be puzzled by what's going on with my son. You know, is, am I not enough? Right? What is happening with his heart? He's, he's looking at it. You have to understand that your heart, like we know, out of it spring the walls of life, yeah. right? He's looking for it. Let's see Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. You know that your deeds are the evidence of what's in your heart. Your words are the evidence of what's in your heart. That's why he's, he, it's not just God looking and, and kind of like penetrating your heart. No, your deeds are what let him know what's in your heart. When Abraham offered his son, God said, Now I know that you fear God. Now I know. Why? Because you've overcome. Because you, went, you were tested and your deeds were proving you faithful. See, your heart... It was the one that justified you. Your heart showed uh, blameless before him. 
your heart made you righteous before him. Right? So, and this is with every son of God. Let's look at Joseph. Joseph is the same thing. He goes through trial, and through all these trials, he remains faithful. If you look at Moses, in 40 years in anonymity, right? Pruning, God pruning his heart so that he'd be worthy, he'd be good, he'd be properly trained to now take on a step of authority and leadership. How about David? You know, in Acts 13.22, it says that David was a man after our father's heart who would do his will or desire. What's, what's particular about David is that his heart put him in a position where God would trust that if he had something to do, he could entrust it into his servant David. That's, that's, that's a heart worth having. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See, if, if God is going to... If God is going to be searching your heart, it's about time that you start embracing that, that, um, that searching. Embrace the fact that the Father, your Father, is wanting to search, refine, prune your heart. Embrace it. Search my heart, Father. Is there something in my heart that's not pleasing to you? You know, this is, this is an attitude worth having all the days of your life. Now... God's not the only one that gets to know what's in your heart because your brothers and sisters have the Spirit of God that knows, that tells us the thoughts of God. So your heart is revealed not only to the Father, but your brothers and sisters, right? There's no point hiding it. It will be revealed. It will be revealed. It will come to the light. So that's why you have to embrace the searching of your heart. So if your Father is concerned with your heart, what do you think I will be addressing today? Your heart. I learned this in... The class of Acts. If you're going to preach, preach about the heart. It's what the Father is interested in. Uh, let's go to Exodus 35, verse 5. See, we, we talked about in, the, in this series of the banner, um, we talked about our placement, right? Around the tabernacle. Exodus, Exodus 35, 5 says, when they, were, when they were, were giving instructions for the tabernacle, and they needed the materials. It says, uh, the orders are that from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing, that's not just willing. The, the true translation of that says, whose heart moves them. Whose heart is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, and many other things. See, you, your participation is not mandatory. We're not going to beg you to participate in this. But it is desired. Amen. We want it. We want everybody's participation in building a dwelling place for the Father among us. Amen. Right? But it should be no surprise that what the Father is looking in us, is looking for us, is a true circumcision of the heart. And the Father will know if your heart is properly circumcised or not. This, the reason why I'm saying this is because the dwelling place, I am hungry I am hungry for God to dwell among us. I am hungry for, to see His glory far beyond what we've experienced. It. See, we've experienced in, in my personal life and in our corporate life, we've experienced glorious things. But this is not the end. This is the beginning. See, if we're not replicating a life 
like the book of Acts and truly replicating it and even making it more glorious, then there's more. There's more to go for. And the Father is willing. He wants to make His name known. He wants to glorify His name. So how is He not going to be willing? What He needs is circumcised hearts that will build a temple for Him. And the temple that He's looking for is a temple of flesh and bone. It's called you. It's called the congregation. It's us, LCM. Let's go to Acts 7, verse 47. So this is Stephen preaching. And he says, But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all things? So what house will you build for him? The original verse where he quoted from in Isaiah 66 two says that, To these ones he looks with favor, to the ones that are humble and contrite in spirit, who tremble at his word. So what house will you build for him? What he needs is people who will tremble at his word. People who would have a humble and contrite spirit. That's the house that will uh, receive his presence. That's that's, That's where he will make his abode. Let's go to Exodus 30, Exodus 40, verse 34. See, after they were, after they set up the tabernacle with all the materials, which if you remember, they brought more than enough. They had to stop him because they were so eager to have his presence dwell among them. Eager, just laying down everything that's required. We want his presence among us, right? In Exodus 40, verse 34, he says that, um, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That's worth camping around. That's worth laying every piece of jewelry, every piece of your heart. That's worth everything in your life. Have the glory dwell among us. This is the name of God being made to the nations. Now they would all know, oh, this is the Israel that God, who's enthroned in the heavens, who's The footstool of his feet is the earth. This is the God of Israel. This is the God that the true God, the one seated upon the heavens. This is worth camping around. John 14 verse 23 says that, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching, obey my words. My father will love him and we will come to them and make our home with them. This is what we're looking for. I know That this is what you're looking for too. We're expecting healing. We're expecting the glory of God to manifest. We are, like Eric said, we're not regular human beings. We're indwelt by the Spirit of God. This is supernatural from another dimension. We cannot lose track of what kingdom we are from. So we're going to camp in this next verse. And I need you to focus. John 17, verse 20 through 24. I don't, know, I don't know if it'll fit. Well, we can do it like that. It says, let's, let's digest this verse. This is, this is kind of where the Father has spoken me the most. It says, my prayer, this is Jesus speaking, my prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about his immediate disciples at that moment in time. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. See, it, it's the ones in Judea, Samaria, and through all the earth, and it came all the way to LCM. Amen. That all of them may be one. Yeah. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Amen. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Wow. Think about that. I in them and you in me. Do you know why we call this message Russian dolls? That's why. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And the last one. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see thy glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. This is a mouthful. This is Yeshua's heart being expressed before the Father. Yeshua's heart about you, about me. See, His prayer is that we'd be one like He and the Father are one. How are they one? He says that the Father is in Him and He is in the Father. Yeshua prays that the reason why He wants us to be one with just like he's one with the father is so that the world may believe that Yeshua Hamashiach is the one that God sent to the world. Amen. How about your evangelism? See, this is the reason why unity is required in the body. Yeah. This is this is the reason. Do you wonder why when you speak a word, when you bring people to your congregation, they may not see, they may not get the revelation that He is the one that was sent to the world? See, unity is required for our evangelism, our reaching out to the world to be completely effective. As when Peter preached, as when Paul preached, that they could just draw multitudes and thousands because of their words that came out with power and because God made Himself manifest in everything that He said. He testified. Of his words. Amen. This is the, the one verse that he says. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Wow. What glory did God give the son? Wow. I mean if you ponder about this. Like yeah. he is saying that he has given his disciples. The glory that he received from the father. Okay. So I studied a little bit about that glory. Let's go to John 1. Verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. Yeah, that glory that was given by the Father. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the glory of the one and only begotten Son. He's saying that that glory is passing on to us. John 2, verse 11. It says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which He revealed His glory. And His disciples believed in Him. The way He revealed His glory, it was through signs and wonders. This was the first of the signs through which He revealed His glory. The same glory that He's passed on to His disciples. John 12, verse 42. 
says that yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. Because, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise. That's doxa, that's glory. They loved human glory more than the glory from God. See, the glory of man, the praise of man, stands in direct opposition to you being a recipient of the glory that Jesus intended for you to receive. This is big because you may start in the kingdom seeking only nothing but the Father. And little by little, as you gain authority, as you walk in it, as you do the same things, you start loving the glory of your peers. You, do you think the Pharisees started lukewarm from the get-go? Little by little, their, their love turned cold. They exchanged the glory of God for the glory of one another. John 5.44 says that, How can you believe? He's talking again to, to some unbelieving Jews. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from God? This glory that Jesus wanted to give, you have to seek it too. It is not just right there waiting for you. Right? His disciples walked with Jesus. His disciples left everything. And then he says of them, I have given them my glory. It takes you living your life. It takes you living the pride. It takes you living the glory that other men and other things would give you. For the glory, seeking the glory of the Father. Amen. Verse, uh, let's go to John 8, verse 54. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. If Jesus' glory means nothing, if he glorifies himself, what do you think your glory means if you glorify yourself? Exactly. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. See? The glory that Jesus received from the Father is the glory that he's passing down, down unto us. But it's the glory that comes from the Father. The Father himself exalts you. It is not you who exalts yourself. The Father glorifies you. The Father glorifies his sons after they go through trials and, faithful, and they remain faithful. That's why Abraham is glorified as the father of the faith. That's why you should be glorified when you're proven faithful through time. Right? Not for preaching a word. Not for simply going at it for, for a few moments, for a, for a year. Through faithfulness, the Father will exalt you at the due time. See, Yeshua received glory because he was not an entitled brat. He was the Son of God, a faithful, faithful Son of God. Isaiah 42, verse 8. See, some people may say, no, but the glory, he's sharing our glo the, his glory with us. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. The good news about this is that you're not another and you're not an idol. He's sharing his glory with you. See, what you will get to know is that in a Russian doll, the one in the center is God. Then he embodies Jesus and Jesus embodies you. And the one that's seen outside is you. But then when, they, when they look at you, it's like, you know, there's something different about him because the Father and Yeshua are in him. Amen. That's what happens. You go out, all they see is you, but really what's happening is they're encountering the Father. Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
That's the kind of unity that he's looking for us to have. So that we be one as Yeshua and the Father as one. Then the world will know that he is the Son of God. Then, only then. See, when, when you reach perfect unity, when we as brothers and sisters reach perfect unity, a person comes in. And I cannot wait for the glory to show up and convict of everything that he's done in his life like the Samaritan woman. To heal every disease because this is, this is, this doesn't enter heaven, all right? And if heaven touches earth right here, then either you leave or you get healed. Either you leave or, but you don't remain the same. See, the he- heaven invades you, right? That's what we are willing and we're wanting for the entire representation of Father and the Son and the Spirit to be among us, Okay? So we know that Yeshua gives His glory to the one that seeks it. And the purpose of His glory coming to us is that there would be no separation. Amen. The Father and the Son, you and Him. So our call to evangelism is really futile and quite stupid if we don't get this right first. Our call to say, yeah, let's form unity in the body is really quite dumb. If you individually, if I don't seek first to be one with the Father and His Son. Because when that happens, then we will be one. This is the prerequisite for unity. This is the prerequisite for powerful evangelism. For powerful preaching of the Son of God being the one that He sent. This is the pattern of Ehad in the kingdom. You seek Him first. You be one with Him first. You seek Him and because you're one with Him, you're one with everyone that is one with Him as well. Amen. Right? How about husbands and wives? Husbands and wives are already one in the flesh. But they will never be one unless they are also one in the Spirit with the Son and the Father. Why do you think that some of all traits are more immortal than the Son of God? They just, we can't kill them. Right? Because we have to be one with God first. We, and the flesh does not enter into unity with God. It can't. The fruit of being one with the Father and the Son, that's what we're going to focus on. Amen. See? Remember, when we start focusing on performance, okay? When we start focusing on uh, going for the works before you have the foundation correct, which is the indwelling presence of God within you, then your works are worthless. Your deeds are worthless. You, you, you just come and you want to do and you want to do. Yeah, that's, that's from an orphan heart. You, know, you don't know your God. You don't know your master. Yet you want to work for him. We have to be one with him so that our testimony would be his testimony. What we live is what he's putting in our hearts to share with the world. It's, it's oneness with Him. He, see, Yeshua and the Father are not outside of us. They're, they're here. They want to completely indwell who you are. So, let's talk about the fruit, remember. The fruit of that oneness. The standard that you are to apply to yourself is the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning, 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We need kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the standard that you apply to yourself, not to your brothers. This is the standard you, that you apply to yourself first. First. See, you can't be looking at your brother's fault before removing the log in your eye, right? This is when you're expressing the fruit of the Spirit. Then it will be easy for you to see the speck in your brother's eye. But um, what we are to do for our brothers without fail, because there will be moments of weaknesses where we are not completely one with our Father and our Master Yeshua. There will be moments where you are separated and, and you just need to get back. But, but, you know, the tension of the world may be difficult, all right? So what you do for your brother is not to call on him, but to equip them, to bring them up to the standard, not to lay the standard against them, but to equip them. If you're not working, if you're not working for your brother to fulfill these fruits, to come to the un unity with Messiah, why are you expecting things of Him? If you're not being an integral part of His growth and maturity, why are we expecting the maturity that you're not being a part of in your brother's life? This is unity. Unity is not looking at your brother, judging his sin, and determining that he is falling short of the glory of God. Love will get you to work for your brother. If you're not, um, you know, in um, Ephesians 4, verse 12, it talks to us about equipping the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity. Again, that unity. Because we have to work until we attain that. Yeah. And the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's the reason why you have to work. That's the reason why we have to look at our brothers. If you see immaturity in your brother, okay, then you come to him and you raise him up. You lift him up. You encourage him. You, you nourish him. You bring the word. You, you do everything you have to do so that you may be, to, may, may be able to have some kind of expectation of what he will become. You don't just lay the word and judge him for not admitting it. Now, this, this verse, is, we, we, we make it about the fivefold only. And, you know, these were people that were given, these are functions that were given to the church. You know what was not given to the church? Bystanders, pew warmers. What was not given to the church is blessing holes. That was not given to the church. Right? We have to work. You have to pick what the Father is leading you to do. But you are to be a nourishable part of this body. One that works and brings unity to us. Amen. Our expectations, your expectations for your brothers are to be aligned, are to be um, in accordance with your work to bring your brother to perfection. Amen. Right? Don't just set them up for failure. Work with them so that they be built up. And then you'll be able to say, yes, brother, I'm expecting this of you because we've done this together. Right? You know, pride is definitely not a fruit of this oneness with the Spirit. It's definitely not a fruit of this oneness with the Father and the Son. Pride is what stands in the way of you being one with Him. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, In His pride... 
the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. The level of fellowship that we have with the Father and with His Son will be the gauge and the thermometer for the level of fellowship that you have with His children. If you don't have fellowship with Him, you will not have true fellowship with His children, to the, with the ones that are one with Him. There will always be some separation. There will always be something you don't know what, you, uh, just like a stone in the shoe. You can't get it off. Why are we not, why are we not bonding? Yeah, because we're not, there's, one of us is not one with the Father. One of us is really not for the kingdom. One of us just is separated. One of us has pride in between. What divides a congregation is not imperfections. Because the church of God, the congregation of God, is the best restorative program ever available. You will come in a sinner, a wreck, and be and leave being a holy and mature son of God. So we, we ought to get accustomed ourselves with, with the fact that there's brokenness and sin. Right? It is not simply just to... Imperfections are to be a thing that we just deal with. But we raise them up. And we don't just, we don't just say, yeah, my brother, uh, he fails all the time and, and we're just going to live with it. No, we build up our brothers, but we don't just... We don't, we're not scared of sin. Okay? We, we work so that sin does not remain in our brother's life. And these imperfections, just get it straight. These are not what separate a congregation. What separates a congregation is the abundance of pride and the lack of love. That is what separates a congregation. You know why? Let's go to Colossians uh, 3 verse 12. It says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. Keep that in mind. Holy and beloved. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you sh you should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Amen. Love is the perfect bond of unity. Pride is what separates you from the Father and from His people. That's what creates a hole in a congregation. See, in the beginning of that verse, it says that if you have been chosen by God, you are holy and beloved. Right? When you're beloved, you got something to give. If you truly experience the love of God, you have something to give. A person who, are, who is basking in the love of God, who is just dwelling in the love of God, has lots to give. He's not, he, he's not stingy with his love. He's not stingy with his resources. He, he knows the Father is, he's in the Father and the Father is in him. What can he be lacking? Why would he be stingy with anything that is his? That the Father has entrusted into his hands. He goes all. He gives it all. The, the congregation, this, the kingdom of God among us, should be the safe place for a person of the world who has known only rejection, iniquity, who has known only the perversion of the world, to understand that this is a different place. Right. See, this is what changes a person because the, it, 
a strong preaching did not change you. It is the love of God that changes you. It is He experiencing His love, His amazing love, His love that goes beyond your sins and clears any iniquity and keeps no record of your sins that makes you just throw your heart at Him, that makes you give your life for Him. That's what changes a person. This love, David speaks about in Psalm 143, verse 8. It says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way that I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Oh, Father, let us learn in the morning from your unfailing love. What do you do in the morning? Let me set up. How much unfailing love you're able to demonstrate throughout the day. David says, in, your, in the morning, let me understand. Let me get a feeling. Let me grasp your unfailing love. That I may be that to others. In 1 John 4, 8 says that whoever does not love does not know God. It's just very plain. Either, either know Him or you don't. If you love Him, you do. If you don't love, you don't. Romans 12, verse 9 I'll read it to you. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what's evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. See, when you're able to honor each other, when you're able to celebrate each other, you're walking in love. You're not walking in selfishness, in envy, and in strife. You're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, selflessly loving each other, selflessly celebrating the breakthroughs and the awesome things that are happening in your brothers because through them, your Father is exalted. It is the glory of the Father that you're seeking, remember? Not the glory of each other. The glory of the Father is what we desire. I desire my Father to come and say to me, I am pleased with you, my son. This is my heart's desire. Amen. When it's happened, I cannot do anything but bawl and bawl and bawl and cry because it's so overwhelming. When you, find, when you see, you, you're, you're working by faith, you're doing everything, you love Him. And then one day He comes and tells you, I love you, my son, I'm pleased with you. That's, that's, that, that sets me straight for all my life. Yeah. Finding fault with your brothers is actually a very easy thing to do. See, if, through, if you're filled with the Spirit, you have quite a bit of discernment. And aided, that discernment aided by your fleshly desire to find fault in others, make you a perfect, a perfect candidate to fa- find fault everywhere you go. That's not what should... Um, I forgot the word, Spanish, as a second, English as a second language. Uh, that's not what should characterize you. See, judging sinful behavior, it's part of it. Discerning it is part of it. What you do with it is the second part of it. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Peter rephrases this a little bit. says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Romans 5, 8 says that, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this, that we were still sinners. 
Christ died for us. See, love is demonstrated with sacrifice. Love is demonstrated by sacrificial living and, if needed, sacrificial dying. Loving a brother is not accepting, accepting him the way he is. That's wicked. That's, that's something other but grace. But to work diligently to bring your brother to perfection. That's what you do with your wives. That you do, what you do with your spouses. That's what you do with your children. That's what you should do with your brothers. See, we are commanded. And you are commanded. This is not a suggestion. You are commanded to love your enemies. How much more should you love your brother Or your pastor. How much more? The light and the heavy, right? How much more? How much more should you overlook? And not not overlook in the sense of just turn a blind eye. But not be offended by any offense of your brother. How much should you just overlook and not really be offended by, Oh, my pastor corrected me too harshly. We got to build... And this is not macho bravado that will get you to just say, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toughen up and be a strong one. It's love that covers everything. It's love that covers our faults. It's love that covers our sins. It's love that covers our transgressions. It's not you putting a strong face and saying, I will take this. The flesh has to be dead for us to be one with the Father and His Son. With respect to our wives, we know in Ephesians 5 that we are to love our wives like Yeshua loves his church, his congregation, right? What we miss usually is that this is also the command for our brothers, for the love that we're to have for our brothers. Let's go to John verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 34. Don't take my word for granted. It says, And new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even... As I have loved you. Oh, it's just not, not, not just your wives, right? Your brothers, just like Yeshua has loved his disciples, just like he has loved us. You, when, when you love, suffering is inevitable. And I'm not, I'm not a poet, this is not a song. It's, just, it's inevitable, right? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Tells us that love, the great love verse, is that love keeps no record of wrongs or transgressions. That means that for there to be love and be purely tested, there has to be wrongs and transgressions. You have to to love through them. You don't love because of perfection. You love through imperfection. That will set up some unity in our body. The kind of love that the Father wants to demonstrate through you it's the same kind of love that He demonstrated to you. It's the same love that He demonstrates to you day by day. That's the same kind of love. The one that through your transgressions, through your iniquities, through your immaturity, through, you call it, He still loves you. We don't have to go through these, but Isaiah and Jeremiah say that He is the one that blots out our transgressions. He is the one that remembers our sins no more. Yet we're very good, very good at remembering sins. Very good at not blotting out transgressions, but keeping a record of them. See, when your identity and your experience as a son of God is similar or equal to the identity and the experience that Yeshua had and has as a son of God, then we heard it. They can hurl insults at you 
and you will not retaliate. It doesn't matter who it is, in authority or not in authority. Somebody that's not in the church or outside the church, your boss, it doesn't matter. When the Lord of Heaven is your pop, what, why, like, what, what insecurity do you have? Like, why do you act fleshly? Why do you react fleshly? Do you, let's, let's ask our Father to let us see that, that those that are with us are more that are against us. Let's, let's, let's ask our Father to reveal to us that His presence, that His love, that He is indeed the Lord of all. And that we don't have to strive and fight so that you, to cover your insecurities. In fact, insecurities and shyness and timidity and cowardice cannot be a part of the kingdom. If you're, if you're scared by a bold brother, check your heart. Why? Why is, is insecurity in your heart? Why are you looking at other brothers who are bold like Nicaragina? Why are you looking at brothers that will stand up and do whatever the father, they feel the father saying to do? With some kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know. Uh, it's insecurity in your heart. We got to stand up, learn from those that are more mature, learn from those that are walking in more boldness, learn from those that are listening to His Spirit, instead of judging and trying to define what is good and wrong with them. You know, just, just being, just measuring. That's not your job. Your job is to edify each other. Now, submission. Submission ministries. Man, that's a tough, that's a tough name for a ministry. <laughs> when, when your father is in heaven, I think you will be able to, when you, when you realize and you truly encounter and you truly know in your heart that your father is the king of heaven, there is going to be an ease to be able to submit to authority. He has set it up. He has set it up for you. To prune you, to test you, to guard you. For whatever reason he did it, he set it up for you. You learn to trust that. Because your father is with you. Yeah. You don't like it? it does not, it's not about liking it. It, it. It's actually what the father has allotted for you. It's your boundary lines. That's what he has allotted for you. Amen. So learn to love the boundary lines. Learn, learn to love what he has allotted for you. Amen. You know, if... Your, your leaders, you know, there's nobody that can, can stand against your calling if God says you're ready. He will tie the pastors to the wall if necessary, if you're ready. All right? He will do it. So, and these pastors, they're not against you. They're the pruners. They're the propellers. They're the ones that guard your calling. Because if they don't do it, they're failing. So why would you be against them? It's ridiculous. I mean, it truly is. So you know, take, take Stephen. Take, take Stephen for an example. The man, it says that he was filled with the spirit and wisdom. And he's asked to serve widows' tables. While the apostles devote themselves to more important matters like prayer and ministry of the word. And this man filled with the spirit... And with wisdom, yeah, he's given that task, that duty of um, serving tables. Yet in verse 8, in Acts 6, it says that Stephen was filled with faith and power, performing great signs and wonders among the people. Oh yeah, if the Father has filled you, He has filled you with a purpose. It doesn't matter the task that He's been given to you. 
He will, he, he will do what He wants to do through you if you're ready for it. Amen. The reality is that you may not be ready. That may be the reason why. In Acts, Acts 6 verse 10, it is stated that those who opposed Stephen, they could not stand against his wisdom. The, the wisdom that the Spirit gave him with which he spoke. You know, it doesn't matter if you put him to serve tables. It, God makes a way for him to be in this place where he's just confounding people and bringing the word and healing the sick and performing signs and wonders because the task is not too little. Because the Spirit is within him. This is what gets him stoned. You know, of course it is it's humility that will actually determine whether you are ready or not to serve tables and perform signs and wonders while doing it. And maybe get raised up and sent by the Father because He says, this is my Son. He has a heart like David and He will do my desire. Right? Now, the kingdom. We know that we must seek His kingdom first. His kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what you ought to seek first. We are His kingdom. We are His dominion. We take His dominion wherever we go. That is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where you step, peace should step. Joy should step. Righteous behavior should step. This is your land. This is what God's been allowing for you. This is the kingdom that you are to take. That's what seeking it first means. Not seeking it first for yourself, seeking it first for the Father, because He wants to be glorified, exerting dominion above everything else. He wants to set up all those authorities on the ground and step on them, because you step on them. We, the kingdom, it's only taken by secure, by children of God that work in, walk in their, in their proper identity, just like Yeshua did. Imagine Yeshua being insecure, insecure, being just having this orphan heart, right? Of, I don't know who my father is. No, he knew who his father was. He walked in it. He was one with him. You know, in our body, in our body, there can be no pockets of best friendies. You know, if you gravitate, to the same people over and over and over again. If your flesh just gravitates to Him because that's the place of comfort. Because you're not seeking His kingdom first, but you're seeking your comfort in the flesh. Where, where, where have you left His kingdom? Where have you left love? He needs us to gravitate to the one that is difficult to be with. He needs us to go to the one. See, if you see a, a more immature brother, according to your judgment, then go raise him up. If you see a more mature brother, according to your judgment, then go be raised up by him. Yeah. Just, but do not gravitate to the ones that you always gravitate to. You live with them. Why do you do that again? Look, there's a ton of people here that want to talk to you. Don't make it more difficult. We all want a piece of it. We all want you. We all, we, you want us. We, we want each other. Amen. Mingle with it. Just love each other. It's not so difficult. Leave your insecurities aside. Um, Let's go to Ephesians 4, verse 1. 
And I'm serious. If somebody, you know, it's a, I know we are, we are a tough congregation, and I know that, and I like it. I love it. All right? But come on, guys. We have to be, um, we have to leave our insecurity aside because it's actually playing against us. You know, the kingdom needs to be known by when people come in. And this is such amazing love and unity among his body. You know, not among pockets of people, but among his body. If you don't like your brother, then make him likable. You know, he, he, probably, he probably needs that. <laughs> if, if you don't like your brother, make him likable. <laughs> you know that if, if, if it's truly really true and you truly have some basis for not liking him, then it will be a blessing for him. Right? Just, just love him. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have, been, you have received. Worthy of this calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. See, Yeshua says, if you want to learn to be gentle and humble, learn from Him. Oh, but if you don't like Him, we know. Make Him likable. Oh, but if, why, why should you love me? Why should I love you? You're a son of my Father. Why should I not? We are in the same kingdom. We live for the same purpose. When He glorifies Himself through you, I am happy. We were born not by the accord of man, but by the will of God. We were born anew because of the desire of God. And my desire is His desire. His desires are my desires. Why would I not love you? Why would I not want the best? Why would I not celebrate you? Why would I not come and spank you in the belly like I do? Why would, I, why would, I, why would we not love each other? If, if you don't want to love each other, then go in the world to see if you find love out there. We're to love our congregation. We're to love our pastors. We're to live for it. This is the place that God has allotted for us. Seek that brother that you don't get along so well with. And establish peace, unity. Yeah. Through the Spirit, establish the bond of peace. Go seek those that are more difficult to get along with because we all have our issues, okay? And let's clean each other up. Let's raise each other up. Let's encourage each other. Let's build the unity as you first become one with the Father and His Son. Otherwise, what we will have is worldly unity. And that's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is a perfect unity because you are one with the Father and His Son. Amen. Not because of anything else. Nothing will make me one with you. If you're not one with my Father and my Master Yeshua. Nothing. We are the children of God. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones that He set up on earth to show the, the world who He is. If 
Somebody sees you, he has seen the Father. That's, and if he, see, even if he doesn't see the Father, that's a testimony. You're giving bad testimony. That's what he thinks about the Father because of you. What great responsibility do we have to work at this? To put on our gloves, to really take this seriously. Not because, not because we are perfect. But because you seek the glory of your Father. If you don't seek the glory of your Father, there's nothing different between you and those Pharisees. Nothing different. This is not a social club. This is the congregation of Yeshua Messiah. This is the congregation. We are His body. We are to, He is to embody us. We are to represent Him. Unity among our body is first and foremost because we are one with Him. This is the testimony. And when we do that, everybody will know that Yeshua is indeed the Son that He has sent. Amen. Let's go to Acts 4, verse 32. We know this verse. I look up for it. I desire it. I want it. This is my deepest desire. That. Can you put it in the Nazmi, please? Sorry. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property. To them. And with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Unity, first with your Father and His Son, then with our brothers because of that unity, will result in this kind of power, will result in this kind of witnessing, will result in our Lord. Yeshua being glorified, in our Father being glorified, in His name being exalted. If you sing for the nations, if you want the nations, make sure that this is first true in you. Because if you don't, when you go to the nations, what you're going to set up is an orphanage. You're not going to set up the congregation of sons of God. You're going to create more orphans. Make sure that you're one with the Father. And then go to the nations. And then go exalt His name. And then be a perfect representation of who He is. Amen. That is His will. That should be your heart. Remember, we we're addressing your heart. That it should be our heart. Search it. See what's an obstacle for you right now. In coming to the Father and being one with Him. See what kind of prideful attitude is getting in between you and the Father. Cast it down. Step on it. And then let's be a perfect reflection of who He is. I love you, brothers. I love you, sisters. I love you, pastors. The reason why we stayed, I, we felt God leading us to this congregation is because we knew the plans. You're not the only, if you have had troubles, you're not the only one. If, you, if there has been rough patches, you're not the only one. They have proven your love. They have proven who you are. Actually, make up your mind. Make up your mind because love will suffer. 
So make up your mind through that suffering that you will indeed love those who hurt you. Those who don't measure up to your own expectations. It's not about just casting upon your brother that what would Jesus do? Or what would I do? Which is even worse. That's how we look at people. What would I do if, if I was him? Let's set up our expectations for ourselves of how we are to be bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and then let's raise each other up so that we all may bear the same fruit. I've never wanted to be a Russian doll so bad in my life. <laughs> Could you leave Acts 4.32 on the screen for just a minute and back up a verse? Uh, of course, we're at a closing. And I think what Pastor Rueda has shared with us puts into words, actions, a demonstration of the Spirit's power in a better way than I would be capable of doing. Let me, let me just say that I think he was our chosen vessel for this evening. I got that sense on Sunday and uh, surprised him yesterday with the request. And uh, I'm really glad that I did. Every once in a while when you step out in faith, it pays off. Look, uh, Unity says everything, whether good or bad. Um, if you only find unity with those that are in disunity with the others, that says something about you. The truth is, is that the people in this church need to love each other really deeply. Uh, it's very, very easy to categorize people, whether that is their pastors or, yeah, those people are just not with us, among us, but not with us. Can we call do-over tonight? The thing about calling do-over, though, is you can have the most perfect system in the world. Who wants to live in a society where nobody thinks anything belongs to them, but it's the common property of all? Anybody think that's really cool? Yeah, it failed miserably around the world. It's called communism. Do you know why it failed miserably around the world? Because it did not address the heart first. It was governmentally enforced from the top down. I get zealous. I would like to enforce unity sometimes. Really what you saw Sunday was I was mad because I knew that there was not unity in several places in the room. So I smacked you around a little bit. But you guys came back. What Carlos is doing is working from the inside out. We can't force you into unity. What we can say is, if you will get filled with the Father and get in Messiah, you in them and then you, you'll want unity. I think that's all we really have to say about that. This done the wrong way is a tyrannical form of government. This done the right way from the inside out is the kingdom of God on earth. You playing to be a part of the church just makes us a tyrannical form of government. You actually being the church makes this the kingdom of God on earth. Uh,
Let's stand to our feet as we pray. Please take some time to consider this message. Um, it's already wrecked my heart. I was delivered, I think, from the throne through a man, which is really our goal all of the time. What is the throne spoken to your heart tonight that you must do? Not because of some powerful closing, because of what the Lord is saying on the inside of you. It's the last thing that I have to say about it. If you won't answer the Lord's voice in your own life, what hope do you have? Nobody else's voice will ever come close. If you feel him tugging at you, don't don't harden. Don't dismiss it. It gets easier to dismiss it the next time and you get worse off. If you feel it at all, rush to get it right. Okay? Rush to get it right. That's your best asset. Father, we thank you now. You have been better to us than we deserve. Lord, we want to love each other as much as we say that we love you. Lord, tonight we make it our aim to love you by loving each other. Lord, would you bring your body into unity? No more petty rivalries. No more earthly thinking. No more selfish ambitions. Tonight, Lord, we want to be for you by being for each other. Lord, make this a pattern in our lives. Help us to make it habitual. To put your word to practice in this area. Tonight, by your spirit, we're asking for a do-over. No more strong and weak in our flock. No more looked at with suspicion. Tonight, Lord, we say, you brought the ones in this room that you are calling your flock. Let us be one. Let us get this right. Anoint us by your spirit to get this right. Father, we repent. We repent as a body for not trying to improve our brothers. We repent for taking the easy way out and falling into groupings. You have made us one body. You have filled us with one spirit. Lord, let us act like it. Help us act like it. Empower us. Let your grace fill us now. Jesus, we give you this time that you might straighten out your body in the way that only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray.